My guest this week is an entrepreneur, the CEO of Blockchain Smart Technologies, which describes itself as the world's leading blockchain distribution channel. She's also an academic with a current role at a university in Spain after work at American universities, including Harvard Business School. She's the author of an authoritative two-volume study of financial bubbles. I'd like to welcome Dr. Eva Porras. Good morning, Eva. Good morning. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for inviting. Well, thank you very much for doing this. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. Well, let me start by asking you about blockchain smart technologies. Based in Dubai, you're the CEO. Uh, what does it do and, and what products is it offering at the moment? Um, okay, so the reason why this company was built is because it appeared, and it was true, <laughs> that uh, Dubai, such as other Emirates, were you know, ahead of the use of blockchain technology. So as an entrepreneur in, let's say, those times, meaning just a few years ago, if you were to try to talk to other people in Spain and try to explain to them why it would be convenient that they change legacy technology for blockchain technology, they wouldn't understand it because they would just not have a concept of what is blockchain and what could be the impact of this technology in their operations. Now, jumping to Dubai was jumping like, I don't know, 20 years or 40 years ahead, you know. Of course, then these 40 years have run fast in other areas, and now we can come back to Spain and we can do things here as well, you know, because people are nowadays uh, much more willing to listen and to investigate and, and to put, you know, some effort in understanding, you know. But at the time, uh, this was not the case. We already had let's say, a company in the United States that was creating products. Uh, we already had a relationship with people in our environment, in our technological environment. We were defining ourselves as, as distributors of this technology in addition to creators. And basically what we try to do is be opportunistic about uh, problems that we pin pinpointed in different sectors and that we could uh, design a solution for specific companies um, with specific problems. And the one that brought us to, to Dubai specifically was our willingness or interest in helping the airport make a better use of their uh, runways, you know. Oh. So we, yeah, so what we decided is to um, imagine um, a mix of technologies. One of them is the software, the blockchain technology. The other one is hardware, you know. And we got a partner uh, um, who provided the hardware, let's say, and the engineering of that part, and also the artificial intelligence of that part, whereas we, we provided our own artificial intelligence and blockchain technology, you know, the capacity to create their smart contracts, NFTs, and, and, and so on, you know. With this, we went to, you know, to the, to the authorities to try to talk to them into understanding that this could be a solution uh, that would be interesting for them to, uh, you know, to adopt. So this this was our initiation in the Emirates, yes. And so what uh, stage has that airport project reached then? Is that happening? Um, that, um, that project has gone through multiple stages. Um, we have come to understand that anything that has to do with infrastructure is a very slow occurring situation. 
And not only that, but you uh, make a presentation to the higher level management and, you know, general directors and, and so on. And this has to go down to the level of engineering, who then review everything and may ask you for totally different things that you were proposing. And, right. and this is what you have to be open to, you know, in this case and in any other case, you know. Well, let's step back for a moment from, from the airport uh, job, which sounds like it could be a lifetime's work. And I wanted to ask you about the relationship between blockchain smart technologies and Smart Ledger, because you're also the managing director of Smart Ledger, along with uh, Bernard Doherty, the co and a co-founder with him. How do these two businesses relate? Because a lot of the products you have are shared between the two businesses. Yes. And well, actually, these are two independent businesses, uh, totally independent. The only situation is that uh, most of the people are a partner in both businesses. So basically, we are just a group of people who are very interested in blockchain technology, and we have gathered our resources and interests to build solutions. And, uh, you know, given the circumstances when each one of these companies was set, uh, the solutions we are looking at are one or the other, you know, and also because we distribute the solutions of other people. So not only ours, you know, if we have a customer and we can see that we can use some solution that is existing in our ecosystem, we will obviously go and talk to our colleagues and ask if they are interested, you know, and, and try to make use of something that is already existing. If we trust it, which of course we will do otherwise, we will not be talking to them. And that way, you know, the ecosystem can grow and, uh, you know, we can all be like uh, stronger together, you know. As an entrepreneur in this um, sector, you know, which is a new sector, it's quite difficult to stand for a few years because it requires lots of resources, lots of uh, patience, lots of, uh, you know, going back um, and reiterating and trying again. And um, and the way, what we want to do is, is an ecosystem that is strong. So, so the more of us stay in for the longer, the better. You also announced at the beginning of the year a whole collection of uh, smaller businesses or apps, perhaps I might even call them, uh, which seem to be consumer apps. There were things that uh, for private chat, MetaMeet, you've got streamable FM uh, for music distribution, drops for file storage. These are consumer businesses, I think, rather than B2B businesses. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the thing is, as we have walked this, you know, this path, um, and as we originally tried to get into, say, one sector, for example, with TicketMeet, um, this is a product uh, or a service, actually, that provides tickets that cannot be forged. So our customer is the owner of the event, and what we provide is a ticket that not only cannot be forged, it can do so many other things for the, for the owner of the event. You know, like, for example... It can help the owner of the event arrange its supplies. So by pre-ordering and, and, and so on. So many things, you know. But when we began to do that, then we realized we needed to build parallel to that a number of things. So for example, a wallet. So for example, know your customer devices. So, you know, and then we began to thinking, well, this is an ecosystem of authors and artists. Maybe we should do something, you know, in reference to their IP rights, you know, intellectual property rights, and maybe we can help them share, you know, and distribute, um, you know, some some of their uh, the, the money they should get for the rights, you know, 
when somebody plays a song or whatever, you know. So what happened is we got into the sector and then we expanded horizontally across the sector, given that we were becoming familiar with these people, their needs, and we wanted to respond, you know, to to their problems. And this is how we, we have a, you know, I think like an octopus walk, you know, it's not like a straight walk, it's like the eight legs and the thing is going like that, you know. <laughs> Is a is a is not a stray walk. <laughs> um, I mean, these consumer apps are are really interesting. I mean, I, I think am I right in thinking that the limitation here is that you have to have a hand cash wallet to operate them. You have to have a wallet. I I don't know if a hand cash wallet. You know, I mean, I use hand cash, okay, uh, but I don't know because uh, we have other developments coming, and maybe the the requirements of the wallet for the future developments are going to be different. I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, your parallel life, perhaps if I could put it, as an academic. You have a position at a, a university in Spain, and you have a, a history of uh, a, a, an incredible book about uh, financial bubbles. I yes. wanted to ask, what difference uh, does that background and that way of thinking have, do you think, uh, on your work as an entrepreneur, do you do you find yourself slightly different from other entrepreneurs that you meet because you have this uh, sort of academic perspective on business as well? This dissertation was about trying to figure out whether the market, and the market was defined by the S&P 500, whether this market, the prices, were driven by value or they were driven by contagion. Contagion meaning contagion of opinion. So say if there is a lot of volatility, if prices go up, do people follow? What, what is the situation? And it's exactly the same situation as the market in cryptocurrencies. Is people trying to manipulate the markets? You know, and, and I guess this puts me um, at a distance and, and at a, an angle that I can look at things in a very different way. I am very well familiar with the psychological type with the activities, I mean, I can see them planning, setting their businesses to steal money from other people or to run these rumors that will confuse um, those who are less used to, to this type of scenarios. So I guess, yes, it really gives me an advantage. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, for somebody who is so aware of the sort of bubble mentality in markets, that you have perhaps gravitated to a part of the blockchain world where the price of the coin itself is almost irrelevant. Yeah, exactly, because what is relevant is the use. And this is the point, you know. And not only that, when people say the price of the coin is so so small, I said, thanks God, because this is going to help the ecosystem grow. You know, when you have such a small cost, it means you can replace uh, operations to confirm visa operations or American Express operations or something that requires high volume very fast, uh, you know, repetition of confirmations. And this is something you can do with a, with a currency that is well, not a currency, let's not call it that, but with a, a token or whatever you want to call it, that has very minimal value because the value is somewhere else. You know, for the miners, it's in the economies of scale. And for the business person, it's in adopting this economy and replacing higher costs and doing things in a much better way, smarter way, you know. And there is no way back on that, you know. So I think this is why I think this is the one technology that is going to allow the next revolution, 
without this, there is no revolution. There is some people making money in a corner of the crypto market, but that's it, you know. So, so this is why, you know, I am very happy to be where I am. I, I have zero, uh, you know, for me, it's not, a, I, I don't wake up every morning wondering anything. I know exactly where I am. I know well the technology, and, and I think this is the place for a person with my aspirations, you know. So, I mean, in the, the BSV community, uh, such as it is, I think uh, it's, it's not really the thing to talk about trying to get wealthy through the increased value of Bitcoin SV. But I think in the back of people's minds is the hope that if the enterprise economy in Bitcoin SV, the work that people like you are doing, goes well, then that will actually, in the end, have an effect on the price of Bitcoin SV because it's being used. I mean, do you go along with that? I, I think they, I don't think they really understand the implications. I mean, the, the, the wealth is in, is in replacing the legacy technology. And through that, to create a totally different, um, let's say, capacity for energy supply for cities. So I think they can just not see the full impact of what we are trying to do here. But the value of each token has to be derived out of the value that this token provides to the ecosystem. It's like if you say, what is the value of a share of a stock? Well, it should be related to what that company creates. How much value does it create? Zero? Then it should be zero. Does it really create value? You know, then it should have value. You know, it's, it's totally parallel to that. It should not be a casino market. You've written an, a, a very authoritative book on bubbles in the financial market. There's got to be the potential for an equivalent book about the way that the crypto market works. Are you tempted or are you thinking about maybe trying that as well? Yes, I am super tempted. I actually have four books on the works, you know, <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, you know, days are so full of things. And also you need a lot of time to kind of settle in your head uh, what is going on, um, you know, just to create strategies and so on that, you know, you start delaying things that are not as urgent. Maybe they are equally important, you know, but they are not as urgent as, you know, I don't know now going to a conference like hours. You know, you need to be able to sit down and um, and have time. You know, and this is sometimes uh, not not possible when you are running around the world. You know, and and responding to to the needs of your clientele. Just looking ahead, then, what scenario would you suggest is going to be the best for the work that you are doing as an entrepreneur? What kind of business? Uh, is going to be most uh, enthusiastic about the the blockchain technology applications that you're offering, and what profitable uh, business model will they be able to create create from them? Would you say? So I think many things are going to come out, and I think all of them are going to make a difference. I am particularly, let's say, in love with things that make a difference. Let's say in the lives of people, profound difference, like identity so for you know issues and matters of safety you know refugee camps these type of things we are making solutions for that i am very excited about it i think it's it's very meaningful you know what we are doing and if the right governments adopt it they can 
make the lives of millions of people so much easier, you know, and their own lives as well. You know, so this for me is a very important uh, subject. And then the other one is just everyday live things, like, for example, Ticket Mint, with, uh, you know, you go to the football, you go to a concert, and you want your ticket to be true. And uh, the concert owners, they want to earn their money. They don't want some intermediary, you know, taking all the profits with them. So so I think we're doing things that are meaningful in several areas. And, you know, my hope is that little by little, we shall be progressing concurrently with all of them, each one at its own pace. I, but I think overall we are doing things that are important because I think the technology drives you to do things that are important, you know, to have an impact that is that is important. Not being hacked is very important, you know. Um, yes. I Actually, I was just hacked, you know, with uh, uh, this airline at Europa. The hackers got into their, uh, you know, their, their site and stole all of the credit cards together with expiration dates. And the CVV number explained to me that. Oh, yeah. So are you I saying was, that yeah. you were a victim of that? Yes, yes. I was just a victim. It was three days ago, four days ago. I arrived in Budapest, and the first thing I see is a message from Europa saying, sorry, but your credit card with this number has been hacked, and they got the number, the expiration date, and the CVV number. Okay, so I had to dedicate my afternoon which was not very very useful because banks are closing in the afternoon, but the afternoon and the morning, uh, canceling my credit card in a trip. So you know, so this you know this is important. This is important. It's just too bad that um, some people are stuck in the past. You know, as far as technology goes, I mean, I think people should be willing to try a type of technology like ours. And just set it parallel to their existing technology, you know, and test it. Test it for a year. Test it for whatever long, you know, it takes, you know. I mean, uh, because it's, it's a different world. Yes. It's interesting because, I mean, just from a sort of PR point of view, I mean, people will be very worried. And that's an incredible example of the problems. But if you come up to people and say, well, we've got a blockchain solution that will fix that, blockchain and Bitcoin have such a bad reputation that um, it will be quite hard to get people to trust that instead of yes. the, uh, the banks and the credit card companies, I would think, probably. Yeah, yeah. So, no, what we do is we just try to explain to them how it works, you know. And I think this is the key. The key is people need to understand this is minimum respect to your customers. Obviously, is to explain to them what is the problem they have and how they can improve their situation and why the technology you are trying to sell to them helps them improve that situation. And you obviously have to do some kind of a cost-benefit analysis for them. And then you have to work them, you have to train them. You know, Basically, uh, you have to understand that they don't need to change their sector. They are not into the technology sector. We are, right? So it's up to us, it's our responsibility to ensure we are providing the help they need. And uh, we will be a lifetime companion, you know, because we will be with them trying to be their providers of multiple solutions, you know, as we get to know their operations and we get to know better what are their needs, we will come up with other ideas, you know, that uh, will help them, you know, uh, be more stable, uh, more efficient, 
and grow in a time when it's very difficult to grow because the, the problem nowadays, you know, in legacy companies is how do they grow? Sorry to say mm. this, and it's going to sound horrible, but half of them grow cheating their customers. You know, they stop giving customer service. They stop picking up the phone. They stop doing maintenance. They stop, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's never ending, you know, the, 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 how these companies go about things, you mm. know. But we are telling them, no, you can grow doing something different, which is using a better technology, you know, which is going to give you the efficiencies and is going to reduce all your costs and is going to do your auditing for you and is going to do many, many things for you. And we are here to explain it and to show how it works, you know, and to become responsible for our end of the deal, which is what we have. I mean, I think any message that uh, tells a big company that it can save money on its operating costs, that will be well received. So, uh, I would think that 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 will be um, that will be very successful. But Eva, I'd like to thank you so much for your time today and for for talking about all your work. And really, good luck with it. And uh, it's very exciting and lovely to hear such an optimistic view of uh, of where it's all heading. So, thank you for you, your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks very much to Dr. Eva Porras. Now, you don't have to be a PhD to appear on this show, but it does help. And next week, I'll be welcoming Dr. Catherine Lafoto to talk about VX Technologies' latest product, AlphaDAP. So please join us for that. But until then, thanks for listening. And from me, Charles Miller, goodbye. <laughs>